All right. Hey, Melody, how are you? Well, thank you, Lynette. How are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Well, thank you so much for joining. This is 50 Freedom Through Passions. I'm excited to get started on our conversation. Uh, during our pre-call, you shared quite an interesting story. So I'm um, looking forward to sharing it with the audience today. You and I met through uh, a mutual acquaintance page. She's been on my uh, my podcast a couple of episodes ago. Um, but yeah, I wanted to uh, bring you on, share your story. You're doing some great work as a woman uh, in her 50s and looking to reinvent her life. And so, yeah, I just want to get started. So first of all, let's kick the session off just with a little bit of background, who you are, introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, and what your sort of your journey's been over the past few years and uh, where you're at today. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a farm girl. I've always been a bit of an adventurer and a little bit of a rebel. And uh, when I finished university, I ran away to Asia and taught there for a while. And then I snuck into Peru, got a work visa back in the 90s, which was really unusual, uh, met and married a man and worked for university. I was teaching English. And then Oxford University Press said, hey, an English speaker with a degree in linguistics who isn't working for us and has a working visa in Peru, maybe an offer I couldn't refuse. And I worked for them, traveled around uh, helping them with the public relations, keynote speaker at conferences, came back, got divorced, remarried, another child. Fast forward, uh, my mom got Alzheimer's. So I have uh, two young children, a mom with Alzheimer's, and ambition. <laughs> right. <laughs> but of course, I ended up being the family caregiver. So I, I ran with that because I love my family. And I actually believe that, you know, in caregiving, you grow as a human and you learn a lot. And I've, I've built a lot out of that. But then, you know, eventually my mom passed and my kids grew up. And throughout that time, I did my best to keep my toes, well, I could say, you know, keep my toes in the pond, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't going down the river, but at least I was dabbling. And then a few years ago, it was time, it was my turn. And so mm -hmm. now it's my turn. I'm taking my turn and I'm doing what I wanted to do is build a business, a business that uh, supports the people I want to support, that I get up every day and I love what I do. Not that it's easy, but that I love what I do. Exactly. Okay, that was quite the story. So let's let's back up a little bit. So when were you in Peru? Like what age were you at that time? So that was in the 90s. I would have been in my yeah. late, late or mid to late 20s. Mid to late 20s. Okay, so that's sort of your very first sort of foray into like getting life experience, which every 20 year old should be doing traveling and getting out there. Um, what were you speaking on? Like you said that you were doing some speaker kind of conferences. Yes. Well, Oxford University Press uh, wanted to, of course, be in South America like every other uh, publishing house wanted to be because there is English learning going on and they want their books to be in the schools. Because, of course, if you have 150 students buying the same book, it's so much easier than throwing your book in a store and hoping for the best. Right. So bulk sales to schools. And so that was my job to back up the sales team by doing public relations, uh, going to the conferences, teacher training, um, you know, speaking to because the teachers spoke English and sometimes the salespeople didn't. And so they wanted to speak to someone who knew the product in English and spoke English and could help them. That was me. And so I worked in, although I lived in Peru, I worked in Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia and Peru. 
Okay. Wow. Sounds amazing. I haven't been to any of those countries yet, but that is on the list for sure. So you, you're, you're there. Um, you come back to Canada. You're currently living in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada, and you, uh, are now sort of the voluntold, uh, person that is now going to take care of your mother. And I think a lot of women, uh, become that sort of role as a caregiver. So talk a little bit about that. How long were you taking care of your mother? Maybe sort of some of the, the emotions that you were feeling as you were going through it. I know that for me, a lot of women put uh, their lives and their dreams on the back burner to do a particular thing because they're the ones that, they're the only ones there. And, I, and like even for myself, um, you know, I was the full-time caregiver of my children from, you know, a very young age to, you know, for at least 19 years. And so, yeah, you, you sort of have to prioritize that and therefore your stuff just gets back. And so when you said, it's my turn, um, I really want to dig deeper into that because I think there's a lot of women out there that it really truly is their turn, but they struggle with, well, to do what? So talk a little bit about um, the, the sort of the, the time that you spent with your mother and you said that you learned quite a bit during that moment. Um, and tell, tell us a little bit about what you learned. Yeah, so I looked after my mother for over 10 years. Wow. The prognosis after uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis is usually a person will live less than five years. My mother lived over 10. My mother mm -hmm. likes to skew statistics. The women in my family are a little bit like that, right? We <laughs> in our own way. And so I was raising children and I was looking after my mom and I wasn't getting a lot of family support, right? Everyone else mm -hmm. was kind of like, hey, look what Melody's doing. This is great. We don't have to step up and, you know, we don't have to, you know, do anything. We can just run away and do our own life. And and I get it. It's hard. It's it's really hard work, emotionally challenging work, physically challenging work to look after someone. And but, you know, and and you know, somebody had to step up. I did. And at the same time, nobody had to step up. We could have let my mother languish, but that's not how I believe we should move as a society. That's not what mm -hmm. I think our society value should be. Therefore, I was the person to step up. So learning a lot, absolutely. You know, you know, trying to reason with somebody who has no reasoning skills, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, raising a two-year-old. Right? They want what mm -hmm. they want and they're individuals and yet they have no rash, rational, you know, rational skills. They're not rational, they're not reasonable and figuring out how to maneuver through this world and how to work with people who are difficult um, and, and, and leave their dignity intact, how to talk to medical professionals, how to make sure that my mother gets her needs met. Um, so there was, there was a lot going, you know, when you're looking after someone, there's a lot going on. You have to develop a lot of negotiation skills, listening skills, uh, persuasion skills, mm -hmm. you know, I am, I remember this, you know, and it was not just with my mom, I'd go visit my mom, she was on a lockdown ward, because she had Alzheimer's, and, you know, all these other people were doing these strange things, and I learned, you know, how to distract, how to, how to give joy to somebody, so they've, you know, move on to another thing, how to be with them where they are, 
I remember my mom used to, at one point I'd walk in and my mom would go, there's my mom. Hi. And she'd look at me and some well-meaning person would go, that's not your mother. Might be your daughter, but it's not your mother. And I'd go, hi, love. She'd, hi, mom. And I'm like, how are you? And we'd kind of look at each other like, what is this person talking about? And the person would be standing there going, this is not rational. But of course it wasn't rational. And if I lived with her where she was, then mm-hmm. we could get what ne- we could get done what needed to get done. Right. These are amazing skills I use with my clients, with colleagues, with you know, with everyone now. Right. It's, exactly. I've built a lot of amazing interpersonal skills, and I love that because you know, as we when we get into our fifties and we start saying, "Okay, it's my turn. What am I going to do?" The first thing that we look at is our life experiences and our skills that we've gathered along the path, whether they were skills that you actually took a course or just skills like what you're describing are all things that, you know, bundled together can actually create a really great business opportunity. So your mom passes away and I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and you finally, you know, have now got this like, okay, well, what's next? I've literally been the sole provider of my mother and my kids uh, for the last 10 years. And so how, what did you do? Like, how did you sit down and decide what were you going to do for, for what's next? Like, <laughs> here's the twist, Lynette. Right. I thought, here we go. And then my daughter had a head injury. Right. And then there we were again. Mm-hmm. More caregiving, more mm-hmm. skill building, mm-hmm. more dreams put to the side. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did start dabbling in, again, you know, toes in the pond. Right. I started a uh, monthly group for authors in Vancouver where I live. I would bring in a speaker every month and I would interview an author every month. We did a networking event once a month. That's what I could handle. That's what I did. It wasn't necessarily to make a million dollars. It was to to you know <laughs> to talk to adults, right, <laughs> in an area yeah. that that I felt passionate about, and to do something that felt good. And as I say, keep my toes in the pond, even if it's just one hour a month, right? Keep my toes in the pond. So that's that's really interesting. So I I think a lot of people think that they have to like go full full tilt on whatever that they want to do and whatever they're passionate about. But you've got that. That's a really nice way of thinking of it, of like just keeping your fingers or your your toes in the water so that you can then continue to do something that you're passionate about. But also maybe it will build into something. So this monthly group. How did you come up with that idea? How did you uh, market that idea? Did you charge for that idea? And how did you like get your first cohort of, of people to join? Yeah, great questions. So it came about because I was I was just looking for something to do. And there is somebody who was arranging conferences. And I said, okay, well, I'll volunteer to help. And I landed up after a couple of conferences just being the manager and just, you know, being the on-site manager and doing everything. Uh, at the day so I could take a day off of whatever else I was doing and just do that and this is a little before my uh, my mom passed and my daughter had her head injury so it was that space where I was just trying to find something and then the person who was organizing conferences he's like oh let's do some monthly things and we'll do you know a, a foodies group and we'll do a author group and we'll do a travel photographer group and we'll you know and so he set that up And then as soon as he set it up, he decided to leave the country and travel. And so I thought, well, I like authors. I love authors. I love writing. I'm just going to step into this 
role that that he's created and then kind of left. And so I did. And Lynette, my very first event, it was me, the speaker, and one very avid fan. <laughs> Amazing. Because you know what? That is our biggest fear, you know, like to, to think, oh my God, because this was all online, right? At the time? No, this you... is in person. Oh, in person, even worse. Like when I you're sitting the there, you're like, oh, please, somebody show up. Please, somebody show up. And that, I think, is the number one cause of, <laughs> excuse me, of us saying, I'm not going to do this. This is where that procrastination sets in and the fear sets in that prevents us from actually fulfilling our dreams. Everybody thinks like, oh, everything that, you know, everybody's done that's super successful out there, whether it's a, you know, workshop or a monthly mastermind group or whatever, where there's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100, you know, YPO, uh, the, you know, those types of organizations they started somewhere and it's that one person in the audience. Okay. So you, you've got one person in the audience, you've got the speaker and yourself and you're thinking, Oh shit. I'm thinking step up and give a hundred percent. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Something Excellent. I've learned always step up and give a hundred percent. I don't care how many people are in the room. We did it. That person loved it. Told a friend, told two friends Amazing. next month. We had three people the month after that, four or five, eventually we'd have 20 in the room, 30 in the room, you know, it, and, and I only, well, it was a small room. It only held 20 to 30 people. I, these, I wanted intimate, intimate events. I wasn't going okay. for a big conference and I got there. I did not give up. And I have something that I call a bold belief. Mm -hmm. You must have a bold belief. If you're going to be a woman in today's world and give up some things to be a caregiver and you want have dreams and you're setting those aside, you want to get back to those dreams, you'd better have a bold belief, right? Okay, and, and not, so what, what's your bold belief? And not a bold belief in myself. Yeah, okay. I can at any time step up, step back into my dreams and I will still be a valid human being. It doesn't matter where I'm at, how old I am, what experience. I can do this. A bold belief in self and my ability. And this is not one of those unrealistic, if you build it, they will come magical. Oh, I'm just going to believe and, you know, the universe will hand it to me. It's like, no, I have a bold belief in myself, but I'm also very realistic. If it's not working, I need to try something else. Right. And sometimes you need to be doing three things at the same time. And it's it can be exhausting to like, I'm going to try these three things and I'm going to see which one sticks. And then I'm going to do that until it works. Right. And not give up. If I, I had one person in the room for five events, not give up. Right. That's yeah. it. That's that's what I mean by bold belief. And that's hard, especially when you have everyone else in the world going, what are you doing? You've kind of, you know, <laughs> got yourself in this spot and look, it's not working. And you get all these messages, whether through media or you know, well-meaning people who love you, <laughs> you get all these messages, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that bold belief is what pushes you through that or pulls you through that. Yeah, I love that. And, and I, I, I truly believe that that is probably what's kept you going for sure is just having that bold belief and, and just the, your confidence in yourself that you can figure out how to make this work. Um, 
and know that when it's time to hang that up, it's time to hang that up. And I love that you brought up that you had a couple of other things sort of in the hopper as well that you were testing so that, and, I, and I, I'm a big believer in that. Like, don't just grab one idea and run with it. Test one or two ideas and then see where they go. Because quite frankly, we do have the capacity to do more than just one thing. And especially if we're passionate about it, we can do several things. I have a lot of women who I've talked to um, and one that I'm going to be recording a podcast with who has, you know, went through a divorce, uh, financial disruption, and was really starting over again in her 50s financially, uh, her business, everything. And she's decided to do two or three different things. So tell me, how has the, you, you know, you have had five people, six people show up. Uh, you obviously were a bit probably disrupted during COVID. Uh, tell me a little bit about the evolution of this, this uh, monthly mastermind, if you will. So COVID coincided with my youngest daughter's last year in, last year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, during that time, she was, she was actually applying for scholarships and doing high school. And uh, I had started. So when COVID happened, we could no longer do those in-person events. Mm-hmm. So we, I, instead of doing them online, I started a YouTube channel. Amazing. You know, mm-hmm. experiment, play, yeah. right? I started a YouTube channel, uh, helped my daughter get into university, and off she went. And then I'm like, okay, now what? I've got this YouTube channel. I've, you know, tried these two or three things during during COVID. I did, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, thrown spaghetti at a couple of walls to see what's going to stick. And I've decided what I'm going to do. Now what? And that's when I could start building. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I, so I built a, I built a community for authors. Well, I'm like, yeah. what are my values? What are the outcomes I want? Who do I want to serve? What are the outcomes I want for those, for those people that I serve? And you put all of those together. And from that, I built, I built my, my business. And of course, another piece of that is what do they want from me? And that is an ongoing question because at one point what they wanted is different from what they want now. And so I've just recently needed to shift because the, the way the economy is at the moment, people aren't, don't want those big things. They want those tiny little pieces that'll help them along the way. They want the building blocks, but they don't want it all at once. They can only handle so much at once financially. And so I've recently shifted to what they need, but it's still within that container of who do I want to serve? How do I want to serve them? What are my values that, that, you know, if you think about, when I think about brand, I think about values, right? What's my brand? What are my values? What do I want that to look like? I want community. It's one of my strong values is to have community. And so Mm -hmm. there, I have a community for, for the people I want to serve and how Mm -hmm. I serve them within that container is dictated by them. But those other pieces, that's, those are the decisions that I've made. Mm-hmm. So, so th- absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of people understand the word values, but I don't think they understand exactly what that means for them. And, you know, for you to be able to say, because essentially, I think for me, values are what's important to you and how do you want to action your life around a certain set of, 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 of thoughts and feelings, which are then your values. And I think that 
in order to get super clear on what you want to do for what's next, you, that your starting point are, is your values. Like, how am I going to live my life when something goes wrong? What, what am I going to do? How am I going to action that? And having like five or six value statements could be very, very impressive. Like for you, it's, I want community. So everything that you're doing now moving forward with your business is how do I continue to generate and grow my community? So, you know, and then what outcomes? So what is, and and you talked about the people that you, you want to serve. So get super clear on, on who you want to serve and why you're serving them, which is, you know, your, the outcomes that you're talking about and being super clear on who you want to serve and the problems that you're going to solve for them and then aligning that to your values is the at the crux of the foundational element of figuring out your what's next and a business idea that you want to actually execute on and and it's so it's lovely to hear this coming from you because you didn't have a coach or a mentor for a while i mean I, i do know that you had more naysayers than you did go for it girl um and i want to talk a little bit about that um because that is very important as well um because you have to distract distract or like to push those people out of your life in our pre-call you talked a lot about um people saying well well hold on a second like you're gonna do this in your 50s so talk a little bit about that because this uh community is called author and, nation. and nation. Yes. Author nation. Yes. And it's growing into sort of uh, more programs for authors and, and courses and such like that for, for authors. Um, I do know that you're writing or co-collaborating on a book. I want you to uh, talk to, to a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, so let, let's keep going with the community that you're building. Yeah, thank you. So um, if I could just back up just a little bit, yeah. talking about values and, you know, that how you want to serve people and who you want to serve in the crux. So, you know, you're, you're a woman in your 50s. You've come through this experience where you've been the caregiver and everyone else's needs have come first. And honestly, you feel like you don't matter. Let's just be real. I want this is real I talk. Right. This. Let's just get real about this. You have, you have put everyone else's, my children had their hobbies and their sports and my used to take my mom to see flowers and, and, you know, wheel her to the playground so she could watch children and like everyone's needs, everyone's dreams, everyone's wants, everyone's desires fully. You are looking after that. You are serving this up on a silver platter and then they're done with you and they go on. Not in a negative way. My children are done in the sense of, you know, they're, they have their own lives and this is a good thing. My mom passed away. This is, these aren't negatives. Well, parents passing away is negative, but it's part of life. But then you're, you're all of a sudden you're standing there and you're thinking, I, I'm supposed to have dreams. Wait, what? I forgot I existed. I forgot that I was anything but a conduit to everyone else's life and dreams. Oh my God. Where I love the... everything you're saying here because it is so true. Where do I you know? start? Who am mm-hmm. I? I'm mm-hmm. 50 and I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Right? What a yeah. slap in the face. What a shock. So let's but just start have there. A, a plan either. Right. Too, because you've been so busy planning everybody else's life. Yes. 
And then on top of that, as you say, when you start thinking, oh, look at this little plant growing over here. That, that might work. Some well-meaning person comes along and stomps on it and goes, oh, don't look at that. That won't work. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Can it's you so imagine true. How do women in their 50s not go mad? Exactly. And, you know, right? this is very interesting what you're saying. About this before we move on with the, the niceties, let's dig into this. I love it. I love this real talk because it is absolutely true. Like the confidence, you start to lose confidence and you shouldn't. Feel, like, why are we doing that? And I think it's just like you. there's many women in their 50s and older who have become shrinking flowers. I remember a moment in my mom's life where, and I don't know why, but this moment sticks out where I had this sort of intuition about her when she was in her mid fifties and I thought, oh my God, my mom has given up. And I don't, I, I've never really talked to my mom about that before. And I, I do want to talk to her about that and to see if I was correct on that. But I see now maybe where she was coming from. And this is the real talk you're talking about. Like, that flower that's growing or that idea that's blossoming and then somebody stomps, oh yeah, you know what, he's right or she's right and, and I'm out of here because that happened to you. So how did you overcome that? So a couple of things and we're going to go deeper into my background here to get to them. Mm -hmm. um, my mom was an early childhood educator in England and moved to Canada, married my father who was a very not nice alcoholic. Let's just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And when I was about 11 or 12, she finally walked out and got her education turned into a Canadian education, which was quite a thing. She pulled, she, you know, she took me with her. We lived in a one bedroom apartment because my father stole all the money. Big, long story. Don't need to get into the trauma of that. Um, and I, I watched my mom, uh, you know, struggle and people in, in her, her church, because my mom was quite religious, you know, paid the rent until she could find a job and get out. And then my mother went through counseling and we had a terrible relationship when I was a teenager because, you know, things were rough. Um, but what I saw her do was look after herself. I saw her go back to university, get a degree in sociology, become a count, uh, like a counselor in a safe house for women. And she started doing group counseling with women who had been victims of domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so proud of my mom, you know, oh, like I too, yeah. she, I, so I watched my mother go from shrinking flower to mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I can do. She made so many mistakes along the way that were harmful to me, but she was fighting for her life. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm in my fifties, I can look back at that and go, my mother was fighting for her life. Mm -hmm. And she did what she knew how to do. Mm -hmm. And, in watching her, as much as at the time it hurt, looking back and watching her, I saw her step forward. She must have had a bold belief in herself. Absolutely. In order to do this, to become, and then my mother, she helped write a grant paper, a grant submission for some of the first money to help with elder abuse in Canada. Wow. And so I'm incredibly proud of my mother. 
Mm-hmm. And if she can have a bold belief after what she went through, I can have a bold belief in myself and I can move forward. And I want other women our age to see this, to see me, if I can role model this. Mm-hmm. And this is what the book is about, right? If I can role model this and I can share these stories and these messages, I want other women to say, hey, you're not alone. Yeah, I get it. You come out of it. You don't even know who you are. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Step by step, mistake by mistake. Mm-hmm. Even if your kids get hurt along the way, I'm not saying that's what we want. I'm just saying this is, an, this is part of life. This is part of figuring out who we are. Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, if you're out there listening, it's okay. You are perfectly okay where you are. Mm-hmm. Listen to your intuition. Sit quietly with yourself. Test things out. Play here. Play there. Mm-hmm. And take your time getting to know who you are. And I know sometimes you get dropped off in the middle of everything and you need money and you have to restart everything. I get that. I understand that too. Do what you have to do to make ends meet while you figure out who you are. And that's mm-hmm. okay. There are a lot of women 50 plus in this place. And we need mm-hmm. to support each other and Absolutely. come together as a community and lead because I actually believe we can lead the next generation into a very better life. Absolutely. And that's, that, that, that was really good. Thank you for that. Um, and so on your journey along the way, you've, you know, you've taken this bold belief with you. Um, what do you say to yourself? Like, are you having conversations, not in a crazy way, obviously, but like, are you having conversations with yourself on those days when you think, okay, oh, God, if I run into one more brick wall, I'm going to like not, you know, I'm going to lose it kind of thing. So like, do you ever, what, what, what do you do in those moments? Because we all have them. Yeah. One of the strongest things or the best things I do for myself is to remind myself to be kind to me. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend a lot of time being unkind to ourselves, especially, you know, women, women in their 50s and, and up because, you know, not a lot of people, have, you know, our kids are great. They're kind. But I mean, if you think about that, you know, that we have not been lifted up, we've lifted mm-hmm. everybody else up. So those days when I'm feeling really down, what can get in my head is negative stuff about myself. And mm-hmm. so the message is for me is to be kind to me. What can I do today to be kind to myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, look after myself. I think that's a really, really important piece. And then the other piece is the bold belief. And then the other Mm -hmm. piece is realist, be realistic. And I, when I say be realistic, I don't mean be a realistic, like those naysayers are saying, be realistic. I'm saying dream big, because here's the thing. Other people are doing it. Other people are doing There are people who build businesses to a million plus in five years. Why mm-hmm. is 50 too late to do that? No, and there's lots of really great stories out there of both men and women who have started. I mean, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken is a prime example. I don't think he started franchising that thing until like in his 60s. You know, <laughs> like so just think through that for a bit. But yeah, no, there are very a lot of really great examples. And I think at this age, we have so much power and so much knowledge and we can empower ourselves, 
But I think it does come down to the three things that you're saying, like have this bold belief in yourself, you know, be gentle and kind to yourself. There's going to be days where you're tired, you're exhausted, you're, you know, you're whatever menopausal kind of thing is happening to you at that moment or, or whatever your, you know, your bones are aching a little bit more than they did in your, but so be gentle on yourself and, and don't feel like you have to have like this big massive thing and, and just get it all implemented. And I think that's where the realistic comes in where you say, but be realistic with your goals. So think big, start small, but act now is kind of the, the sort of the, the thing, like make a dream so big that it scares the hell out of you. And I think that for me, a lot of people don't know how to even dream that big. They dream within their capacity. And so how do you, how would you push somebody to, to think bigger? I mean, I know what I do, like I, I have my program, um, like so where you know we talk about a vision story so this is beyond any kind of vision board or anything like that or just a general like what do you want for the next three years it's like I want you to write a story and I want you to tell me exactly what the images are I want you to tell me what the headlines of those stories are and we get right into it and then I say okay now let's throw that story out and let's 10x it and I know that's a bit cliche but we typically will dream with what we think we have the capacity to do at that moment. So how do you dream? I'd, I'd be really curious to, like, how do you set that really big dream for yourself? Oh, such a good question. I think that um, I, I look at what I want. Like, who do I want to serve? Mm-hmm. And what do I want? And what do, what do they want? And what do I want for them? And what's the, what are the big things that I want to bring them. I can't, I can't bring to my clients the big dreams if I can't have a big dream myself. Mm-hmm. And so if they're big, so I work with authors. So if their big dream is to have a business, write a book, integrate it and bring in $10,000 clients. If, if I can't see that for them, um, I, you know, if I can't see that for myself, how can I see that for them or give it to them? And so as a woman, sometimes what's useful and, and not to get, you don't want to get stuck there, but because I'm so used to being a caregiver, I want to 10X my client's dreams. But in order to do that, my dreams have to be 10X. Exactly. And so it's kind of a working backwards thing. But you also just want to be careful not to, not to get, not to land into the, you know, serving and getting nothing out of it, right? You know, mm-hmm. you want to also 10x your dreams. But it's it's one of the things that I think can be helpful. The other thing mm-hmm. is, you know, where are my passions? Where am I so excited that I'm going to get up every single day and do this and keep going and not give up, right? And, yeah. and what does that big dream look like? And what are other people in, in that industry doing? What are some of the big businesses? What are some of the other big things happening out there? And I can look at them and go, how do I get there? Exactly. Modeling. And I think that is something that you're nailing right on the tip of that pin is if you can't think about how big, uh, think of a big dream or you think your dream is that big enough, go out and find other people that are doing very similar things to what you're doing and see what they have and see how they're living their life. And then 
maybe compare it to your the the way that you've designed your dream uh, or your vision for yourself and say, oh, okay, I get it. So they're living like that. I've only designed this life to live like that. Maybe that's all I want, but maybe there's some other things that they have. So I love that. I love role models, find them, um, and, and just mirror exactly what they're doing. Um, and that give you, gives you sort of that momentum to move forward, you know? So that's, that's amazing. So, okay, we, we haven't really talked a lot about uh, your business in general. So give us a little synopsis of that because I, it's important that, you know, I'm, there's a million people out there, a hundred million people out there that I'm sure have a book in them. I've had a podcast or two about this before. Everybody has a story and everybody's story is worth sharing. So tell me a little bit about Author Nation. You're right. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a message. Everyone has an idea. You know, translating that into a book is a completely different thing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> or even into a speech of some sort or even just a, a message on a social post. I know. I know. Yes. You know, you don't actually have the 50,000 words in you yet, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you have an idea, you have a message of a story, and you're thinking, you know, maybe that's what you want to get out to the world. So what I do is I help people take that idea, and I create a roadmap with them. So we sit down together and we say, okay, this is where you want to go. These are the goals you have. This is your big dream, and this is how the book fits into it. You know, if those are your dreams, and this is your ideal reader, here's here's the book concept, here's the working outline, here's the timeline for your project, here's, you know, we lay out this roadmap together. And then once that roadmap is in place, I have a community. People come mm -hmm. into the community. We write together. We have group coaching. We have a, a space for Q&A, so 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have a question, pop it in there. I'm not awake 24 hours a day, but I do go in every day and answer the questions. But not only I answer the questions, other community members can go in and, and answer, the answer the questions. We have a networking every month that is open to everyone, by the way. You don't even have to be a paid community member. It's just open to everyone. I do uh, many courses for my community. I do live workshops for my community. So there's lots of ways that I that I support my community. So once you have that roadmap laid out, because you know you need a plan, right? You know we don't want to go into anything. You know it's like going to the airport without a passport or a luggage or inspecting to get somewhere, right? Right. Um, and so once you have the plan coming into the community, that's where you get the support, the accountability, the motivation, the tools, all those pieces you need to actually get it finished. Because that's the, the big thing, right? Lots of people set out to write a book, about 3% actually finish writing the book because oh, it's, it's a big project, right? Yeah, yeah. It's sure. like all those people sure. on the couch wanting to run a marathon. They're there. <laughs> but you need help to get off the couch, to do the running, to get to the marathon, right? That's a big deal running a marathon. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I love what you were saying there about the community. So you, you pop into the community to get that support that you're going to need because that is where you then have this aha moment of, okay, I'm not the only one thinking this way. And it's okay to think this way. That's sort of being gentle on yourself. But this is how that person overcame. So the role model, the mentorship. And I love that it's not just you leading the community. It's other people supporting. And, and communities are wild. 
Um, they, they are like, they can take a life of their own, which is such an amazing thing, as long as they, the people in it feel safe enough and encouraged to support each other. It sort of sounds like that's where you're at with your community. Yeah. And, and that's amazing. part of my job, mm-hmm. keeping it a supportive environment keeping yeah. it a safe environment. That's, you know, that's, that's the, the community leader's job, not to answer every question and to know everything. And, and, you know, of course, to be an expert is important, but to create a space where people can collaborate in ways that everyone moves, moves forward in a positive way. And being part of the community, you know, people write their books faster. They write better books because they get to ask. Right. They yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. So, Melody, where do they find you? So you can find me at authornation.community. That's okay. authornation.community. And the other thing, if people are thinking about writing a book and they're not sure, they can go to authornation.online. And uh, that's where you'll find some free resources, like a planning guide or a publishing guide. And so, you know, if there are things you're, you're not sure, you don't want to join yet, you just want to check out what's it like to write a book, you can pop in there, authornation.online, and get the resource that fits where you're at. Or the, that and the event that you run, you said that anybody could join that event. That's sort of a networking event. Absolutely. Authornation.community. Join okay. the community for free. So there's a free mm-hmm. membership. And mm-hmm. in the free membership, you get a, set, a certain set of resources. And mm-hmm. you also get to come to our monthly networking event. It's called Author Circle. So we get together right. kind of collaboratively and support each other. Uh, we do different topics each month. Uh, one month, for example, we did book talk where we did mock interviews. So for people who were afraid to be on podcasts, right? So we do okay. something fun every month. That's amazing. No, that, and that, that sounds wonderful. I, just so that everybody can test the waters a little bit, get a feel for who you are. I think that's a wonderful idea. I actually might even steal that idea. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Melody, it's been a real pleasure. Um, parting words. You, you've, you've, you've dropped a lot of value in this podcast today in terms of the bold belief in yourself. Uh, be gentle on yourself and be realistic in terms of like, you know, think big, start, act, start small, act now. Um, what else would you, what, what else do you want to say to anybody that's sitting out there in their fifties thinking, Oh God, what's next for me? Yeah. So one thing that has been very difficult for me and probably everyone else listening is asking for help and getting mm-hmm. support because we do the supporting, we do the helping, we never get the help or get the support. And we get to the place where we don't even know how to ask. So if you're out there and you don't know how to ask, get in touch with Lynette. You know, Lynette has programs, right? Mm-hmm. Reach out, get into a group of women 50 plus who, you know, who who are want that bold belief that you want, right? Mm-hmm. Reach out and get a mentor, take a program, get the support. Because if not, it's really easy to shrink on your sofa and not get up again. Trust me, I know. And it's so, it's still hard for me to get to ask for support. And it's something I'm now learning to do. And uh, I encourage everyone, that's one piece we didn't talk about. Reach out and get support. Yeah, no, I love that. And you're right. It's, you know, when we have been independent, strong women, clearly that's what you are. Um, it And I know for myself, I raised kids for 19 years on my own. And it was so, I know it takes a village to raise kids. 
But what I didn't do was draw on my village. And that is probably one of those I wish I could go back and do over moments because I'd be drawing on everybody's help now moving forward. <laughs> so, and, you know, even finding that mentorship and coaching. I mean, I have provided mentorship for years, but I've never once hired myself a coach. And so this year, 2023, has been about investing in that. And it's been amazing. I'm seeing much more progress in my business, much more progress in who I am and what I'm doing. So yeah, I, I, I love it. So thank you, Melody. You were a wonderful guest. Uh, good luck with your community. I can't wait to see you change the world with it. Thank um, you. Get all those books out there. So and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Lynette.